Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. You mind if I just squeeze by here? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hello, my friends. This is Andy over at the Andy Falco Show, coming to you live from Bray, California, and uh, my third day on the same topic, which I think is important. Um, it is very unusual that I, I specifically do something so precisely on the same subject, but um, every day uh, just is full of information which uh, has gotten me fired up. Somebody messaged me a little bit earlier and I was using some very strong language and they were going, whoa, you're not going to say that on the air, are you? Uh, and uh, no, I'm going to try not to, but so very fired up. So <clears throat> as you're coming on, I would, I would appreciate it if you would uh, please comment about something good or bad, indifferent, uh, questions, um, your opinions about something that's going on. I would really appreciate the comments. Those are the things that fuel the show. And get it out there. Uh, the last show that I did yesterday had over a thousand viewers, uh, and so and that was on one page. I'm, I'm also on YouTube and Twitter and Twitch and other Facebook pages, but on one page alone, there was one thousand views. So I, I appreciate uh, uh, the shares. So share this out if you feel that it's worthy, and uh, comment uh, because that's the way that that happens, and I, I appreciate it. Just really quick, as usual, I want to talk about two sponsors uh, today's CBD oil. Uh, uh, I started taking CBD oil a couple years ago. Uh, coincidentally, when I started taking it, uh, my life has changed. I, I'm, I'm healthier. I feel better. I sleep better. Uh, my blood pressure is better. Everything in my life seems to be better. Uh, not because it has anything to do with marijuana, because it's made from the hemp plant and with uh, CBD one made by Vaseo, which is the products that I promote. Uh, it has liposome technology. So go to CBD uh, today's cbdoil.com if you want any of that. And then we have other wellness products and you get those at todaysbaseo.com. I have a new sponsor coming up probably in about a week or two. You're going to be excited about it. Uh, probably even more excited than these two products, but these two products change your life. And the other one will just enhance your life. You will change your life and then we'll enhance it even more with a new, uh, sponsor that I'll be talking about later on. Oh, look at that. I have a little double thing going on there. Hold on. Let me fix this. All right. So let's talk about this topic today that I have, and it really is the cause I think of most of the problems in regard to George Floyd, in addition to an asshole cop who would not get his neck off of his neck. Besides that, because uh, that's obviously the biggest thing, right? You had one cop uh, and then three others that did nothing about what the one cop was doing. And now I have a new video that I did not see before. Uh, and this is where I'm really, I got enraged when I saw the new, the new video to me. It's not a new video I, uh, to the cops and to those investigating the crime. The FBI, the um, U.S. Attorney, the DA uh, there in uh, Minneapolis, um, they all had these videos. They all had statements from witnesses. They all had this stuff. I, on my first show, remember I told you, I said, I cannot give more than what I had as far as an opinion because I only saw the one video at the time, which is the one that we've all seen. 
which is the angle uh, from the rear of the patrol car and where you can only see the one officer, the one who's now been arrested for uh, murder three, which we'll talk about that too. <laughs> Everything's so stupid about this case. Mismanaged, mishandled freaking case. All right. So on the on day one, remember I told you, I said, I can't tell you if it's racist and I can't tell you if it's murder because I don't, I have one angle, right? The one angle and it's uh, a few minutes long and that's all I had. But I'm here today telling you, I know that the investigative team, the DA's office, the other officers that are involved in the FBI and everybody else that started getting involved had all this other information, all these other views that we did not have. And this, this, uh, people get in law enforcement, in uh, politics, get frozen by fear. And I've seen it over and over again. And it is the death to much of these things, some of the stuff you never see, but I've seen it over and over. And I just sit there and go, what? Make a decision, man, right? It may not be right, but you got to make a decision. You got to make the, you know, try your best to make the right decision, but make a decision using your brains, using your experience, using the law, using the, uh, the, 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 the department's uh, procedure manual. You use all those things and make a decision. What, they're, what they are fearful of, they're fearful of, of upsetting someone, right? That is the biggest thing. We got a number of people that are just hand-washing, uh, milk toast. I'm so trying not to use a bad word because one of my kids is still in the house right now. Um, wusses, right? We got so many, just so many people that don't go outside, you might die. Go, don't do this because somebody's feelings are going to hurt. No, it, it, arrest the guy, right? Uh, so let's talk about, <laughs> I, there's so many places I want to go and I'm trying to stay on task. I'm looking here. I'm saying, Andy, stay on task because I got so many things. Let me look at this comment, the comments really quick. Hello, Amy. Nice to see you. I'm, I just need to watch, I need to calm down because I'm going to say something very bad. Nabuko, nice to see you out of Japan. You know, you in Japan must think we're crazy, right? And that, you know, you got, I got people from, uh, from Australia that watch the show. I got people from Canada and uh, 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 Japan uh, and other countries. It's just crazy. Thank you. Uh, April, I appreciate that. That is a great picture, by the way. I like that better than the, I mean, I'd like the chat of the people in your picture, but I like that picture. That's one of my favorites. All right. And um, hey, April, is there a way to turn off your autofocus? I'm so sorry. I did. I, what do I teach in my course? I don't know if you ever seen my course, April, but that's, uh, I think like number two video, turn off autofocus. Cause I am active. When I get heated, I get active and it's turned off now. Thank you for telling me that. I appreciate that very much. Uh, and that's one of the things that's like on uh, video two, of my training course on how to do live training videos. Turn off the autofocus, dummy. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Oh, Eric too. Eric thought of that too. Thank you so much. Take a deep breath. I will. I got to calm down, man. Wow. We got some stupidity going on out in this world and I cannot stand it. Uh, you're right on track. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate the support. I want to be told also when I'm wrong. I, I don't mind being told I'm wrong. Either. All right. So, I have been in law enforcement now since 1984. Is that crazy? <laughs> and I think about it, I'm, my son's probably going, wait, wait a minute, 1984, that's back in the 1900s. That's in the, or, you know, the, the 1900s, that's like ancient. So in 1984, I got law for enforcement. I uh, uh, graduated from the Reserve Academy and I one of my first assignments was the 1984 Olympics that was here in uh, Southern California, in Los Angeles, but they had um, venues in Anaheim. Uh, wrestling and something else. I forget what else in the Anaheim Convention Center. And so I've been in, in law enforcement for a very long time. I've seen a lot of things there, you know, that I got in there's very, there's periods of law enforcement, right? You have periods where 
uh, you would go in with full force and take things out and end problems immediately. As soon as you saw them, you'd end them. You'd come in with more than what you needed and you'd stop the problem and then you would leave. And then people would get upset. Well, you look like a military force and you're coming in there. And so we backed off and then we started having barbecues in the barrio and in the ghetto and, uh, you know, and, and carrying flowers and, you know, here's your flower. And, the, and then we saw crime rise, <laughs> right? And then they, and then we got a new chief and then things changed. Okay, boom, and we came in there, like, get out of here. And then we started arresting people and then you'd see crime drop down again, right? And so you see, and then you'd have new people come in. Well, now again, you're seeing a little too strong and too military and then you see crime rise again. All right, so what do I mean by that? Well. There's always has to, there always must be a healthy balance in law enforcement between enforcing the laws with a strong uh, 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 presence, and we call it uh, command presence, right? You need to have command presence presence as a law enforcement officer. One of these days, and I'm, I, I often look at my uniform, which is hanging on the wall over there, uh, that was presented to me in a frame, and it has patches on there. It has pictures of me and my police dog and a dog leash and that kind of stuff, all in a frame and that kind of stuff. And I, and I often look at that 175-pound uh, uh, you know, shirt, not the shirt, but th that I fit in there when I was hundred I do would not fit in there now. Um, and, and look at that and think back that, you know, with that size, I had to have way more presence than I actually had, you know, um, in me, right. I had to come off as like, uh, you know, you're going to die if you don't follow my commands and to do what I tell you to do. get on the ground. And I'm talking about felony suspects that are dangerous. Right. And there's this, that you have to come in with a little bit of oomph and, but you need to know where that should stop. There's a line, right? Understanding where this line is, is very tough for so many people. Law enforcement, uh, military, uh, politicians. I, so we have some people that go overboard and then we have some people that just said, Oh, I don't really want to, I don't want to hurt your feelings, right? We have that down here. So we have these two things, right? Um, I wish I could, Bev. It's a really big frame. I'd bring it over here. It's super big. Uh, one of these days, I'll bring it over here and I'll, I'll show it to you. Maybe tomorrow if I can do it. Um, and um, and so that that's always been in existence. You got to understand this. The problem is, and, I, and I'm going to get a little bit political here, but you have red states and blue states, right? And we've seen and again, this is going to get me in trouble with some people. And I understand that. Send me the messages, do all that kind of stuff. But we see in the blue states where most of these problems exist, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where you see because they're so they're so um, afraid. They're so afraid of showing a strong presence of law and enforcement of laws. We know we got in Calvary, we got sanctuary cities. No, we can't hurt anybody that come over because got to be kind. And we got to let prisoners out. We got you, it's too far, right? We got that line. If I were to draw a line, I would draw a line and I would draw a line and where down here is it's too soft, right? If we're going to have peace and harmony and love, you have to have strong law enforcement. I know it seems strange. It's the same thing when I'm training dogs. You can't just let dogs walk all over you with love. I teach it all the time. If you watch any of my Falco Canine Academy uh, videos, when you are too loving, you have problems. When you have too, too loving with your children, you have problems. You have children that will not leave your house until they're 30 because you're going, oh, well, I don't want you to go out and get hurt. And I just want to give them a place with a roof over the head. And it's too difficult and too hard for them. So I'm not going to make them move out when they're 24, 25. Right. That is obviously not how I operate. I kicked my daughter out when she was 19 because she wouldn't get a job. I kicked her out of the house. I took her stuff in a truck and I took it out and I took it to another location and I and I kicked her out and I pushed her out. 
in, in less than a week, she got two jobs. She was, had her own car. She got her own apartment. Um, we, our relationship is better than it's ever been. And she goes, oh, I, you know, you're right. <laughs> I needed to get my ass kicked a little bit. I need to be pushed out there. That may not be for you. All right. But when we're talking about the difference between blue states and red states, and this is just one of those examples, if we just really look at it, the biggest problems we have with crime, shootings, um, uh, 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 all kinds of problems in relationship to crime, it, it happens to be in blue states, if I don't mind, if you don't mind me saying so. And it's because they're so, they're so afraid. They're so fearful of, of law and order and placing somebody under arrest because they're trespassing and they're sleeping on a sidewalk and crapping on it, right? That is, and again, this is gonna come back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this back to George Floyd. I just, I just wanna lay the foundation because it's important to understand that you cannot be too soft on crime you can't be too hard on crime because you're going to have another problem, right? You can't be like out there arresting everybody all the time and hitting them over the head with a billy club. No, right? But you need to have a strong command presence that says we have authority. We have these laws in place and they must be followed. If we're going to have a peace and harmony, right? I live in the city of Brea. You, you can drive around. You can walk around at night and not uh, without anything. I leave the doors unlocked all the time. I'm in California. I'm in Orange County. I'm only about a mile away from another city that has a lot of crime. But within this city, will they come over? And when we have crime, what is it that we have? The suspects are criminals that come from other cities. They're generally not anybody that's here in Brea, generally. And again, I'm not saying everybody's perfect. I'm just telling you that I leave the house all the time. With the, uh, now, I, you, hopefully you don't know where I live and criminals aren't watching. I'm going to have to lock my doors now for about six months. But <laughs> I'm telling you, I live in a city that's clean, right? There's not a lot of potholes. Um, if, if somebody's trespassing, somebody calls the police right away, they're in there stopped and they're questioned and, uh, they're, they're kicked out of the, the area because they don't belong because we have law and order, right? I, I have my, in, you know, that my, the, the brand police are, you know, anyway, I have my history of police, but sometimes they're a little slow to respond and that kind of stuff. But overall, you can't be fearful enforcing the law. All right. So. That is that. That is that on the blue state, red state, and this is the problem. And so now we're now we're going to address the um, the George Floyd situation. God rest his soul. Uh, God uh, God bless his family. And sorry this happened to him. Even though he was committing a crime, he should have been committing the crime, but he didn't deserve to be treated the way that he was treated because we have laws for that too. And so now we now we're going to go to the other end, right? We have Minnesota. Uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Minneapolis Police Department and others that I have been involved in investigating in relationship to other issues regarding their, their uh, police officers. And there is this inability to enforce their own um, policies and procedures of common sense of of the uh you know the the brotherhood the blue brotherhood that gets out of hand and they now they don't now internally they don't do anything about that either i'm learning now yesterday i think uh, uh, as far as i heard he had three prior uh this officer who got arrested and i don't even want to say his name he's a dickwad but that he had these uh sorry son <laughs> he had he has the had uh, three prior uh use of force uh, uh investigations I, I learned today he had at least 13 Right, the, the number's gone way up. There's 13. How, how in what police department does a, a police officer have that many incidents of, uh, of you know violence under color of authority or assault under color of authority or in any type of investigation continue to work as a police officer? How, what world am I living in? Right, what, what's the problem? What is the issue? Who, who's not, who's, who's asleep at the, at the switch? 
on this thing. And everybody knew it. This is the, the word I'm getting on, on the streets is that this they knew this guy was out of control. Somebody brought up one of the cases here in Fullerton where somebody was killed and the officer that was involved is, uh, again, you, there's different opinions and that kind of stuff. I know this. I knew him. And he was fired from a previous police department because he was too heavy handed. And then somebody else hired him. Like, why, why would you hire a guy that got fired for being heavy handed and heavy handed is a word that I'm going to use just because I don't want to get too focused on something because it, it will call out names of people and, and things like that. But you cannot have some, but you can't hire somebody that got fired from the, another police department and showed that they cannot handle being a police officer and then bring them into your police department, especially to a police department that for the most part is known for being a pretty decent police department. And you're bringing a, going to bring a guy in who has a history with all the other people that are out there to be hired. You have all kinds of other people that you can hire and you hire a guy that got fired, right? He didn't quit. He got fired for other things that were related to being too heavy handed as a police department. And it just really is the dumbest BS that I've ever heard. So let me go. And I, I want to balance out because I know, again, three days ago, I was saying I couldn't say that he needed to be arrested, right? Because I only saw one camera angle. I didn't know that he had priors. I said that he probably did, right? On that day, I said, there's no doubt that this isn't the first time he's done this. You cannot you not, cannot see a guy do what he was doing on the camera and not know as a police officer, as me being in somebody of the business since 1984. Uh, and when I review these cases and look at these cases, I go, what, does this guy have any other uh, incidents of doing this? They go, oh yeah, he has like, you know, five, five others, two others, but 13, I don't know that I've ever had that. Did I get a lot of cases? So you, you have this guy, right? Uh, and, and, and I only see one angle. So I, and I'm, and I'm very careful about making a decision with I, when I'm only seeing one angle, but now realizing or not realizing, but now confirming that they, the, the investigators, the DA's office, this idiot, what's his name? Uh, Flint. No, not Flint. Sorry. Uh, Michael Freeman, I think is the, is the guy's name, right? That's the DA. Hold on. I want to confirm because I am going to say his name because he's an idiot too. So hard being so much smarter than all these other people, but sorry. Uh, yeah. Michael Freeman, the County attorney. Yeah. All right. So Michael Freeman, he gets off the camera today and goes, well, you know, or not today, yesterday when he was saying, you know, we, there may be some stuff that shows that he wasn't like, what, <laughs> why do you throw that out there? What, what are you talking about? What is it that could possibly show that this is, this was justified. I, I, I didn't think there was, it would be possible that anything could be justified, but he said that when he saw all the stuff that I saw today, like he saw this other angle. I'm going to show you this other angle really quick. First, I'm going to get rid of these things so that you can see it much clearly. And again, thank you the, for those of you that told me my autofocus was going crazy there. Um, I'm going to show you this other angle. And again, I apologize. And warning, this includes images and audio uh, some viewers may find uh, upsetting and disturbing. So this is the other angle. This is the un, uh, uh, other angle that I only saw earlier today. And this is the one that kind of set me off and got me all freaking riled up. And I just said, what the hell were they waiting for? So let me go ahead and play this video really quick. If you haven't seen it yet, this is the other angle that I didn't see. My face is gone. Why? Why? Why they be bad? Please. Please let me stand. Please, why they be all right. 
sorry. So you got that other angle that, and you got body cam and they got other things that we don't have, they have access to. They have uh, statements from other police officers. They got a whole bunch of other stuff. And they waited until today to arrest that officer when they knew, everybody knows, everybody knew that one thing that would have possibly helped, that would have possibly helped with what's been going on for the last two days is if they would have arrested one or all four of those officers, right? I agree with at least arresting three of those officers. I had no idea personally that the other two were on the rest of his body. And you can hear him saying, I can't breathe. And he was begging, please, I can't breathe. He wasn't saying, get off me, mother effers. He wasn't saying, you guys are a bunch of dickwads. He wasn't saying any of the things that we would hear if he's a violent uh, criminal that we're worried about by getting off of him. None of that was happening. There is a point where you have to get off. I've taught, I'm telling you, I've taught hundreds of officers about use of force. Hundreds, if not thousands of officers over the years of training all over the United States and Canada and Peru and, and Ireland. That, there, that you have to stop when you know that you have control. Once you know that he has given up, once you know that he's no longer a combatant is the moment you have to stop. Every time, I've never lost that, uh, uh, that message ever that it's okay to give another noogie before he get. No, it's not okay to get another noogie. It's not okay to give another knee before you leave. I've never, ever said that. Uh, Bev Lawson worked with me over at Anaheim Police Department, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that she will tell you that she's never heard of any stories where I went beyond, above and beyond, what it took to take somebody into custody. Am I going to tell you that I've never hurt anybody? No, I've hurt somebody. I shot somebody in the leg. It wasn't a good shot. I just got him in the leg. I winged him, uh, but it took him down, and we were able to put him under arrest. But uh, it was I was using a shotgun from very far away. Bad bad weapon for what I was trying to do. I should have been using my handgun. Um, but um, so yeah, and so, and my dog bit somewhere near the name at eight, 80 people, somewhere just short of 80 people. He bit people. One time he nearly tore, tore the, the chest uh, muscle, the breast muscle off of somebody's body. Uh, he tore the calf off of somebody. Uh, we caused a lot of bleeding. Some guy almost bled to death because I had a, a backup officer who wouldn't put the suspect in her car because he was bleeding. And I had a, and I had to force her uh, to put the guy in the back of the car and force her to take the guy to the hospital, which was simply across the street. I could have put him over my shoulder to go across the street. So I'm telling you, I have hurt people seriously in the process of arresting people. So I know what it's like to hurt people and know what's what the responsibility is once you've hurt them to get the medical attention. You don't continue to you know push in the wound uh, like you would see on TV. You don't continue to fight with them after they've given up. Once you have control and take them into custody, that you take them into custody and you take them to the medical center, Anaheim uh, West Med or uh, UC Die or wherever it is that you need to take them, you take them immediately. You don't wait, wait you don't wait, you don't hesitate. You, you take them staying on this guy when he was handcuffed with three bodies on top of him, and you, the DA with all this information waited until today to arrest him. Are you kidding me? You know why? Because he was afraid to make a decision. He was frozen with fear with what people might think. He didn't know what to do. This is the thing. All the excuses that he gives, what did they get him and the governor and the freaking mayor and all the other people involved over there in Minneapolis are afraid we're afraid of making a decision and it's cost on both sides both sides right when you have this information have everything there that the excuse he said well we want to make sure and have enough to prosecute that is such bull loney it is bull loney it, it, that has never been a criteria for making an arrest 
when you suspect somebody of committing a, a murder, you don't always have all the evidence that will allow you to convict him at that point. The, the, the investigation, once you've made an arrest sometimes, is everything that you're going to do. Sometimes you just have somebody saying, that's him, right? You got a dead body. You see a guy walking from left to right, and somebody says, that's him. We go over there. He starts to run. We tackle him. We put our handcuffs on him, and then we take him to jail. And then we try to figure out because in a felony, not a misdemeanor, but in a felony, you can arrest somebody as a law enforcement officer, whether or not, whether or not we saw it or not. We just have to suspect that the person that we are in contact with is one of the people that's possibly involved in committing the crime. And we can arrest them and take them there during the, the initial part of the investigation. We do it all the time. I said that yesterday. And it's BS that the DA, well, we want to make sure we had everything that we needed to make sure that we could get a conviction. Not on any planet that I've been involved with in regard to law enforcement. What they're afraid of is because it was a police officer, they're making a mistake. Remember I told you on day one that you got to be careful when you arrest somebody like this, especially this heated thing, that they might be released. But you're only careful for a second until you see four or five different video angles hear what the suspect is telling you. I'm done. I can't breathe. Get off of me. What are you doing? And they still sit there with the knee on the neck with three other people. The guy can't move. At least get the knee off the neck. Stay on his feet if you have to. Nobody needed to be on his neck. And they had all this the last two days when people are rioting, right? Again, understanding that the people rioting are people that really could care less about George Floyd. Most of the people rioting and stealing crap out of the TV, they're just happy that they have an opportunity to take a TV out of a target, right? And break a window and, and light a police car on fire and light the police station on fire. Those idiots are more, they need to be arrested. But remember what I said yesterday. Again, I'm going to go back to something I said yesterday. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I have a beer here because I knew I was going to need it. Is that what I said yesterday is that you cannot, you, you can't, all right? You can't, they can went in there with all the force tackle people, handcuff them with flex cuffs and throwing them in the back of the, of the, of the police cars and a paddy wagon. If they still have a paddy wagon, I'm not sure if they do. Um, and all those, and they could have done all that. But the problem is the perception is really bad. It's going to create more problems because you're arresting somebody for telling to steal on the television, but you're not arresting somebody that killed somebody on video that now we could see from several different angles that there's no excuse for what it is they did, right? You're not arresting that guy or those guys but you're arresting people are still on television. Do they deserve to be arrested for telling? Tell tell yeah, absolutely. But in relationship to what is going on, you have to, you have to get the feel for the room, right? The feel for the room is that we got to do something really, you know, uh, that we really don't feel like doing. It's going to cause some problems with us in the police department, but we can't, there's nothing we can do. This officer put us in the situation. The officer put us, we, it's not my fault. It's not the mayor's fault or the governor. We have to move now. And we have to move now because the video is telling us that we have to move now because we could see the guy was really put in a position to die on these three officers that did not release him when they should have released him because he had given up and when he was handcuffed. And that is the problem that we have here. They were so fearful of making a decision. What I, what I have done, and again, um, I've been doing this a long time and people are going to say, well, you need to know more than the governor. You know, <laughs> my, my job has been to know more than most people in relationship to use of force. Most of it has to do with dogs in my cases, but it still falls into the same thing of use of force. Reading, I've read tons of procedure manuals. I have the advantage that I've testified in a hundred times in court. I have the advantage I've read a lot of procedure manuals. I have the advantage that I've looked through a bunch of uh, police organizations, uh, bylaws and manuals and things like that. I've tested, I've trained hundreds of officers. I'm gonna tell you about a scenario 
of how I know uh, fear is the biggest enemy of law enforcement and government. I'm going to tell you about a scenario that I run that that is the biggest thing, the biggest problem that we have to deal with as far as law enforcement. And I'm telling you, I have the advantage of knowing more about this subject than some of the people that get thrown into this position and they never thought they would. All right. So you have a mayor who wanted to run for mayor because he thought he could just do a good job and, you know, build some parks and uh, handle a budget and do some other stuff but never really understood what it's like to be in a situation that he's in today and he can't make a decision because he's too afraid. He's too afraid he's going to piss off this these people. He's too afraid he's going to piss off these people. Don't It don't matter. You're going to piss people off no matter what. The one thing is you just have to make a decision and you got to do it now. You can't wait until you have more information. You wait until you have more information, then you have chaos. You have to make a decision now. It may be wrong, but you have to make a decision now. And the fear of making that decision is what has caused all this problem. And again, I know people, are, you know, what do you know? You live in Brea, you're just this dude who's having a, you know, has this little show and that kind of stuff. But I'm just telling you the experience that I have comes from having to deal with these things. I get called in after these things have occurred and say, what do you think? And I go, well, I need reports. I need videos. I need um, uh, depositions. I need um, training manuals. I need the history of the police officer. I need to know how many times he's been. It's all the same stuff, right? The stuff that we're going to look at now is the same stuff that, I can see is the problem here. All right. So really quick, let me look at some of these things uh, just to make sure I'm not skipping something. Somebody may, wow, a lot of comments. Thank you for all the comments. Um, uh, let's see, that's the last one I saw. What's this? This looks good. Hurt feeling syndrome needs to stop. It's literally killing our, it is, absolutely. Oh, the council, the cancel culture is just out of, you, they had the loudest voice and people keep responding to the, 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 the counterculture culture, which is like just the biggest piece of crap that's going on right now. Spread the rest, spoil the child. Right, thank you. <laughs> absolutely. I hear what you're saying, the love the thing, the love thing, but I do believe you can give a uh, tough love, absolutely tough love. I may not feel good to the recipient, but it's uh, being given. Yeah, and that's what I tell my kids all the time. I, I just told my one of my sons, my nine-year-old the other day, is that uh, because he uh, said no to me when he wasn't supposed to, and I talked about how much I love him. I said that the fact that you say that uh, is the reason why you're being, uh, you know, being disciplined, and it's because I love you. I, I, you need to understand the rules and boundaries of, of and authority, and what your responsibility is, at least as far as schooling and what I tell you to do and that kind of stuff. And my love for you is putting me in the position to showing you how important that is. And so, yes, yeah, so what is your saying? We had that discussion just yesterday. Uh, in order yet, love to, to drop ridiculous laws on those who are lawful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's leadership issue, nothing, absolutely. Oh my gosh, I love you guys. Anything, and watching that video several times, that uh, officer, AKA, Take yeah, kept us cool the entire time. Yeah, there's nothing. Oh, oh, thank you for bringing that up. <clears throat> yeah, it, 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 it's it's cold heartedness is what it is. He's cold hearted. That's what I, I start. I'm starting to waver a little bit on. I don't think you could get murder one now. Remembering when I when I called when I was saying you can't charge him with murder. I'm talking about the California statute of murder is different than the Cal than the uh, Minnesota or the uh, yeah the Minnesota statute for murder. They have murder one, two, and three, um, which I can probably get into now. That um, especially what April just wrote the 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 his facial expressions that he's sitting there. There's he's not in danger, right? The the reason you continue with force is because you're afraid of your life or the or the the, the safety of others. 
your concern for your safety, your life, or the life or safety of others is when you're using force to take somebody into custody. If this guy gets away, potentially he can harm somebody else or he can harm me or one of my fellow officers. And so I'm using force until I can be relieved of that fear of him hurting me or somebody else. All right. Once that fear is gone, you stop. And you can tell that that fear is non-existent based on what April said and noticed in the video is that he's as calm as a cucumber. He's looking around, right? He's not focused on what's happening here. And he's kind of sitting there and, he, and then he kind of puts more pressure. You can see him put more pressure on his neck from the other camera angle. And then, it, then the fact that he's got two other guys on him. He's a big man. No, no, I, I've had to go against a very large man uh, with me and my police dog. And it was a little scary there. But once he was in custody, I did the same. I had, what I'm telling you, I handcuffed him, got him uh, in my patrol car, which when he got in the patrol car, it caused my patrol car to kind of, um, uh, not mine, because I put him in somebody else's, caused the patrol car to move. He was that big of a man, 300 something pounds of muscle. Um, and yes, I was able to handcuff him with just me and my police dog. All right. So you don't necessarily always need three guys to lay on top of him. So back to April's point. And that's where I go. There's no doubt that um, that the murder uh, statute they used after reading the murder, I read uh, all of the statutes for murder in um, uh, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, it should be murder two, not murder three. And it's again, showing me the weakness of that DA. And I'm going to come to that subject too. But April, you're absolutely right. The, 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 the for sure is uh, of the way he was acting is why it should be murder two, not murder three. I don't know where they're coming up with this idea that it's murder three. Okay, so now on the subject of what they charged him with, I'm just going to go ahead and, and do that. I was going to do it later, but let me just hit it now because we're talking about it, is that I heard also somebody say, well, we only charge him with what they could, and then maybe they'll raise it later. That is not true. I don't know who I don't know who these people are. <laughs> and I go, what, when did that become a thing too? Now, I know some cops that kind of think that way. We'll just charge them with what we can. No, never. I've never taught that to the officers. I've been responsible for training, especially when it involves arresting somebody and the dog is used, is that when you, when you arrest somebody, a real criminal, right? A real criminal. When you arrest somebody, you charge them with the strongest crime that fits. Whatever that is, whatever the strongest crime is that fits, you use that crime and you possibly use multiple. So in the case of a domestic violence case, so me being a, a family crimes detective, when I would go to the DA's office to file my felony charges against a man who beat up his wife or a woman who beat up his husband, her husband, um, I would go with every charge at the highest level I could possibly find. I'm going to explain why. Right. This is an abuse of power. I'm telling you, this is the way it needs to be sometimes. And I'm just I'm going to share with you why that is. And so I'm going to use domestic violence because it's the easiest one to use. So in the course of the domestic violence, when you used to have phones that were plugged into a wall, that's when I was a detective um, there or even in a cell phone. Um, when the wife is getting ready to call the police, the uh, the the husband or the boyfriend or the fiance, whatever it is, uh, will oftentimes take the phone and pull it out of the wall if it's a wire, or it'll take the cell phone and put and slam it on the ground and step on it, right? That is a separate crime. There's a separate statute for not allowing the victim to phone for help. So you have that crime. You have the assault. If you have an injury, redness or bruising or a cut, a traumatic injury, any type of traumatic injury is, is one type of domestic violence. Then you have another domestic violence where they're pushed, but there's really no injury and there's a lesser one. If you can find a scratch or a red mark, oh, look at there, there's a, there's a little bit of a red mark there on the shoulder from when she got hit up against the wall, you charge for the felony, not the misdemeanor. 
right? Charge for the felony, not the misdemeanor, even though it's kind of like, well, this is a little red. Okay, charge for the felony anyway. And we're also going to put the charge of uh, uh, of this disabling the uh, communication, which is the phone. Uh, and then uh, if she was trying to leave and he wouldn't let her leave or he put her in a car and took her somewhere else, we're going to charge with kidnapping. And then the, what else? There's something else that I, I've charged people with. Um, terrorist threats. And so if he says, when I get out, I'm going to effing kill you. So you take the highest felony, you take the pulling the phone out of the wall or destroying the cell phone, you take the, the kidnapping and there was the, what was the other one? Oh, terrorist threats, right? You take all the, and you charge all of them, right? This is what you do. That is not the, I don't go in there with just the, you know, pulling the phone out of the wall. I don't start. And then, and then file that with the DA and then go into court and hope that we can go up. You can't go up. It's, it's, it's impossible to go up because what's happening in court and you've seen it all the time. You see it on television is what they do is they begin to negotiate, right? The DA and the, and the prosecuting attorney so that they don't have to go to court and all this other kind of stuff. And they say, Hey, if you will plead to the lesser offense of this and this, you go to jail for five years, then we will settle for that. And that way you don't have to go to trial. But if you, if we go to trial, we're going to charge you, we're going to use all those other things and you're going to spend 15 years or 20 years or 25 years in jail. And this becomes a very powerful tool in order to get some time on a guy who needs to serve time. If you, if you charge somebody with the minimal and the minimum, there's nowhere to go, but freedom. Do you understand that? And so if I'm only charging with the misdemeanor domestic violence and maybe pulling the phone out of the wall, it's going to, there's going to get, um, uh, which happens all the time, misdemeanor, um, assault and battery, not related to domestic violence, assault and battery. He gets, uh, you know, a hundred dollar fine and a week in jail. And then he's free to go out there and beat the wife again. Do you understand? So I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know that anybody, just because it's another state does not mean that that's not done. So it's ridiculous that I heard today on all the reporting that, well, they're charging him with the, the least one. And then later they're going to bring up the charge. Now, maybe once they get him in a question, I mean, he, he cops out, then they may charge, but that's, it never goes that way. It never goes up. It never goes up. I, I would be shocked if it goes up to um, uh, murder two in, in relationship to the uh, Minnesota laws. And so it is totally ridiculous, this, this thing that I heard today. It, it's like they just want to go, oh, let's at least go get him and arrest him. for No, no. Based on what I saw on the video, based on the other angles that I saw, there's no excuse for doing what they did after he was handcuffed. No excuse. Whatever it took to get him on the ground. What I understand, he was in the car. They pulled him back out. I understand that. I, another ridiculous thing. Well, what, why would you do that? And so whatever that was all about, you charge him with the most. and then. When it comes to court, all the other things, then they can reduce it down to murder three because that's what's going to happen. Either way, you look at it. But you, for murder three, manslaughter, all they're going to do is reduce it down to uh, assault under color of authority. Uh, and that will be dropped down to that. Right now, it's 25 years for uh, murder three. It would have been 40 years for murder two, which he deserves at least 40 years for doing what he did. It's caused problems all over the, all of the United States. What he did not only murdered an, a, a man who shouldn't have been murdered, who had a family, but it's caused another death, right? I think there's been one death from the writing. Destruction, not only in Minnesota, but now it's going to be spreading across the United States. He deserves 40 years, not 25, which is going to be reduced down to something like five or 10. And then with good behavior, he'll be out in two. Do you see what I'm saying? You cannot charge with the most minimum uh, charge because you have nowhere to go but down unless you got to charge with the most that you can squeak by even sometimes squeak it in. I told you a little red mark 
right? Nah, that's a traumatic injury. Anything, anything that you can see on a, on a body during domestic violence is traumatic injury. And you charge for the traumatic injury. Like it's not like a stabbing, right? That, that is traumatic. But you I'm going to charge, I'm going to charge with that knowing, sorry, that they're going to reduce it down to a, a lesser charge. But you got to start there to get to a place where at least you get something you deserve. All right. I don't think there was a reason to even use a, a taser uh, as I see it. George Floyd was subdued and that should have uh, ended the need for increased and continued force of any kind. Just my perspective. It's a good perspective. It's, it's absolutely correct. All right. With all that in mind, I'm going to tell you just one more story. We've already gone for 39 minutes and, and kind of tell you how I know that fear is a, uh, is something that cripples law enforcement officers, law enforcement leadership, um, uh, political leadership, um, and people in charge. You had, I mean, just for example, I mean, just to share share with you what it is. You had the governor, the state the, of the state, who who said in the in the in the in the conference uh, that he was speaking on the press conference is that well, we didn't do anything because the mayor hadn't asked for it yet. What? <laughs> he isn't a young man, right? This governor's not a young man. He's been around. He was around during Rodney King based on the, what, it, what he looked like as far as his age. Now, I know some people look way older than they actually are sometimes, but he was around uh, during the time of Rodney King. He was around during some of the other riots that we've had um, that are not coming to mind right now, but they rarely go well, right? And knowing the history of what happens when this kind of thing happens, this is something that was caught on video. You can see him dying. You can see him being killed in action on video and you wanted to wait until the mayor asked to really get off your ass and do anything really now he says well we were watching and I no you 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 have enough we already know this from prior in anaheim right in my little tiny city of anaheim when we saw things getting out of hand we go all right we need to get call the swat team and we call the swat team for some very minor stuff why because it's always better to be over prepared and be ready for something than it is to be underprepared and be late to the party, right? You're late to the party, shit's out of hand and it's crazy. And now you're trying to, you're trying to swim upstream, trying to get through all the bodies because you are late to the party. If you're first to the party and then you can push things down before they get big, you've smoldered a little fire instead of waiting until there's a blaze, right? And so you have this governor who's old enough to know that when people are seen being murdered but between a white cop and a black man, whether it's racist or not, bad things happen. And why aren't you already mobilizing what you think you're going to need in case something is bad and getting it ready and then calling the mayor and say, hey, um, I'm pretty sure you're going to need some help on this. So let's get on. Let's get on this before it gets out of hand. Based on what we know from what's happened across the United States and other countries in the past, we know that when people get riled up and things start happening uh, on day one, right, um, we need to at least be prepared and ready to go. Based on what I heard in the in the press, well, we were waiting. Uh, he hadn't asked for help yet, so we didn't do anything until he asked for help. Now, when you're asked for help, now you got to get everybody together. You got everybody dressed and ready to go. You got to call people at home. They got to get in their cars. They got to drive now. You got people coming from all over Minnesota, not just from Minneapolis. They're coming from all over the place and maybe other states. You're getting the tires pumped up because the car, those trucks haven't moved in a while. You're getting gassed up. You're, a lot of stuff is happening. You're too late. It is. It was the dumbest thing. It, it, it's because that people were hope. Well, I hope nothing really happens. It's. It's again frozen in fear. You don't want to show that you're going to show force. Well, we don't want to show a bunch of people that are already angry that we're going to. No, you show force in a in a way that you're trying to keep 
peace. You have to show force to keep peace sometimes. We, this isn't a new concept. It's been trained in the academy. It's been trained in military. It's been trained everywhere. And sometimes you have to come in there and roll with some power to keep the peace. Right? And, and they're so afraid. Well, we just saw that when you use too much. No, it's two different things. That was abuse of power. Abuse of power is different than use of force to keep peace. Abuse of power, use of force to keep peace are two different things. And you can't be afraid to do that just because of that. All right. So how do I know this is a huge problem? Well, I used to do this scenario. I've done it a hundred times. If not, again, I, I kind of go back. It's like 900 times, maybe a thousand times I've done this in many, many states. I saw a particular problem with this scenario in the South and in the Midwest. It tends to be that more officers in California and in this region tend to be trained a little bit better. Our police academies used to be higher stress. And so we, when we hire police officers and they go through the academy and the stress that you get in the academy will weed out those people that can handle stressful situations. Do you understand and do you realize, those of you, that um, when you're a police officer and you go to a call and things begin to deteriorate really fast, you have to continue to think in a way that is that is uh, clear and concise, even though you're being shot at or you're having st stuff thrown at you. You have supervisor yelling at your in your in your ear because he wants uh, you know something done, and then you have people doing a whole bunch of other stuff at the same time. Oh, sometimes you're driving at a you know a very high rate of speed. You have to continue to think clearly to make positive decisions as you're getting there. And once you arrive and once you see that whatever's happening, you have to make the right call as far as either you're going to shoot somebody, you're going to stay holstered, you're going to use a taser, you're going to use a stick, you're going to use whatever tool you're going to have. You have to be able to think clearly when things are happening. Is there no doubt in your mind that not everybody can do that? Not everybody can do that. It doesn't make me special. It just makes me, I happen to be one of those people that can do that. I was raised by a very strong father <laughs> who was very strong, right? And so uh, whatever happened, whatever would happen in my life, I was able to go in these things and have stuff happening around me and yet be able to stay on sound. And this goes back to Bev, maybe she remembers. There, there's times where uh, people did not think I was in trouble when I was in fact in trouble. This, the couple comments from time to time would be made like, we can tell that you're really in, in trouble because you were so calm. Well, I was trying to stay calm because I didn't want to panic anybody when they were coming. I, want, I don't want people driving there so quickly that they crash and die, but I did need some help. <laughs> and I wanted, hey, uh, 3K3, 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 I need uh, assistance. If I can get about five or six officers, we got something going. And I would try to talk that way because I didn't want anybody to panic to get there. All right. So understanding that is one of the things that needs to be done. So I go off and now I'm an instructor. I'm training cops all over the, the place. And I have one scenario. And I'm going to actually use the board here if you don't mind. And I know, I know. Uh, this is getting maybe, I, I, I hope it's on track. So I would find a, a, a building in the area that we're training. So here's a big, gigantic warehouse building, all right? Uh, I would uh, have a, an actor, right? So I'd have an actor here. That's my actor. And I would be standing here, like right around here with a, with a clipboard in my hand. So I'd have a clipboard in my hand, all right? The scenario is that there's a burglary alarm uh, going off. That's a, that's a bell. That's a bell. All right, that's an alarm. So an alarm's going off at this building. This officer, right, this is the primary officer. He arrives first, or she arrives first. And this, this there's another officer here uh, who has a, a canine. All right, that's a canine. That doesn't look like a canine, but that's a canine. All right, so he has a canine. Now, they, uh, they, this, this handler is told at the, at the beginning of the scenario, that the call is a, a burglar. You've been dispatched to a burglar alarm. You have another officer that's arrived before you. He's the primary officer. 
and um, you're to meet him because uh, he the alarm he's the alarm's going off, but he noticed that there's a broken window with this look, appears to be freshly broken with some uh, computer parts on the outside of the window that have been falling on the ground, like a mouse uh, is on the ground. And so he's asked for you to uh, expedite and get there because he wants to shut down the, the perimeter of the building um, and uh, need you there quickly. And you are responding to that call. That's the call. All right. So he knows that ahead of time. Now you can, and he, we tell them you can either take your car uh, as far as you want, or you can bark it down the street. It's up to you. However you would handle this call in your, in your uh, city is how you're supposed to handle it. So sometimes they would bring their car like right up because there's no sense in, in this in this incident to necessarily park down the street because if there's a sus suspect here, he already knows that you're there, right? He can hear the officer. It, there's no sense necessarily parking down the street. So most canine handlers would do the right thing and they would pull their car up fairly close. And so this is the canine unit and the canine handler and, and typically they get out with their dog, right? So they get out with their dog. I hope this is making sense so far. So that's the scenario. Uh, and I love this scenario because I really felt that it tested Tested the officer's decision making, and I'm going to share with you why. So, and I'm going to show you, I'll share with you some of the things that happen. So, once he arrives and he begins to walk to about this point, again, this is me watching and evaluating. I'm not saying anything. They're supposed to ignore me. I'm invisible, right? Once this officer gets to about this point here, this actor, he comes out and he stands out here and he points. All right. So, now this guy is out here. So now that officer is out in the open. So this is a dark alley. So this is usually at night. There's sometimes a building over here. Sometimes there's not. It depends. Or there's a fence. But it's dark. It's really dark out. I find the darkest building in the area that we're supposed to be training. At the moment he reaches here, you can hear this officer now is about here. Right? And some officers with their dog. I should have drawn these ahead of time. So it looks more like a dog. So that's a dog. And so he gets about here where he's on this corner. At that moment... I have a radio in my hand and I can hit the button. I have an actor who's over here with a gun, with a starter pistol. So he's got a starter pistol. At this moment, when I click the, I click my mic, when I click my mic, he can hear that. Like it makes a sound and bam, he, he shoots the gun. Makes a loud noise. It's the loudest blank gun I could find. <laughs> and it goes, boom. At that moment, this guy hits the ground and he's on the ground right there in the alley. He's about six feet, seven feet away from the corner of this building. It's dark. It is pitch black. You, you cannot see, if you, if you were to come around and look around the corner, you can't see him. He's probably in a car. If I have a car, he's behind some bushes or he's on the other side of this building right here where, where he comes out and makes that fight and then he goes back and he's, so you, nobody can see him. This officer's on the ground screaming, I've been hit, I've been hit. They hit me in the thigh, my leg's broken, I can't move, I can't get up. And all, all, he's, all he's supposed to do as an actor is he's supposed to scream in pain. I'm in pain and he's rolling, I can't get up. And then now you have the scenario, that's when the scenario starts. It's the best scenario that you can ever have in your entire life. I was so proud when I came up with the scenario and, and handlers hated it. But they learned to love it because it made it put them in a real situation. Now, again, this is training. Mind you, this is training. This is usually in a, in a week-long training program where that we have other scenarios that aren't as dramatic as this one. This is a traumatic scenario uh, that I purposely created to test their ability to think under pressure. He is supposed to scream, or she, and when it's a woman police officer, it's even better. But I, they, I don't always have a woman actor that I could use, but they're screaming, I've been shot. You can't leave me here. Come and get me. Help me. I don't know what to do. He's going to shoot me again, and he's screaming. And now he's like behind this cover, like pushed up against the wall, 
and he's got his dog. The dog is barking and growling at the, um, at the victim police officer on the ground. The dog, ah, ah, and he's trying to get to him, right? Because the dog cannot see the bad guy down the road. It is chaos. It is chaos. It is the best scenario. Is it real? Yes, it's a real, it can be real. And you have officers. Okay, if I have 100, so in most of these, I would have somewhere around 50 to 100 officers that would go through this on a, during a training week. And out of, say, this is 100%. So you have 100%, right? You start 100% of the officers. 80%, if not nine, somewhere in the 80% to 90% across the United States, they would they tried to send their dog from this corner. Where does their dog go? Does it go down because the, the dog knows or the guy downrange with a gun? No. Every dog went and attacked the person on the ground. And he's already shot. Now the dog is on him, ah, biting him, right? But he's got either, uh, uh, the dog has a muzzle on. So the dog's in there hitting the suspect with a muzzle. And now this officer is stuck on the corner. And now he doesn't know what to do. Like, and, and they go, get your dog. What are you going to do with your dog? And they're, they're here. They're trying to call the dog back. The dog won't come back. Why? Because he, the, the victim officer is on the ground and the dog is, is enjoying the shit out of himself by hitting him with the muzzle. And the, the guy, get him off. I'm bleeding. And you see the, the panic in the, in the secondary officer. He doesn't know what to do. And I'm smiling, but it was one of the best scenarios to test somebody's mettle in what it is they can do. Sometimes they would go out and they would fire off their blank gun a couple times downrange which is fine, but not necessarily the right thing to do, but it was fine. And then they would grab their dog and pull their dog and then grab the guy by the pants and drag him over here. Some guys had the strength, but they also had the adrenaline to drag both their dog and the suspect back behind cover. And if that happened, then that I would hit the thing again and they'd fire another round. And I'd say, well, the guy just hit you or your dog or the other guy. And then they would be like all sweaty and panicked. I would say scenario over, all right? So you'd have those guys, I'd say 80%. 80%, that's very high percentage. All right, another 5% would send their dog and not get their dog. They just continue to yell and yell and yell. And then at some point I would have to say, dude, go get your dog. I'll freeze this scenario. Go get your dog because you're going to kill my actor. My actor's getting hit by your dog. You got to get your dog. So get your dog. And I would stop. I say, okay, let's do that again. Let's start from scratch. What Now knowing what your dog's going to do, what would you do? Tell me what you would do. And I do it just like that. Tell me what you would do now. I go, um, I, I, no, I need to know now what you're going to do. I don't, I want to know later. I need to know now. What are you going to do with your dog? And I would, I would stand there with my clipboard and say, what are you going to do? You got to do something. Your friend, your fellow officer out there bleeding to death. He's out in the open. The guy still has a gun. We don't know where he's at. What are you going to do? And they go, and some people, 1%, 2% would say, I don't know. I had at least... Um, and in, in, I'm going to say Wyoming. It was, in, it was in Wyoming. I had at least seven officers say, I don't know what to do. We've never done anything like this. I don't know what to do. I said, okay, but do something. What are you going to do? And they would say, they just broke down and they say, I can't, I don't know what to do. I go, what do you mean you don't know what to do? You got to do something, man. You got to do something. What are you going to do with your dog? Do you need your dog right now? No, because it's the worst thing. I go, then tie the dog. See that door that's right behind you? There'd be a door almost always or a tree. There'd be a door here or a tree or something we would have here, um, a, a car sometimes. I would always have something. I said, do you see anywhere around here that you can either tie your dog to it or put your dog inside? Oh, I didn't think about that. Okay, good. And they tie the dog to the doorknob. That would usually be the first thing. Tie the dog to the doorknob. Now it's just you, your victim officer, and now the suspect. Now what are you going to do? Let's do something. You got to do something. Uh, and then they would make some decisions. One of the one of the things is the best thing they could do is get in their car. You know, they never think about leaving here, but you can leave here, get your car, and then roll up and pull your car up here between 
the victim officer and the suspect and use that for cover. And, but there's got to be some decisions. All right. So I'm all excited because it's been a long time since I've been in that scenario. But you see that you would have so many people make the wrong decision, but at least they made a decision. Sending the dog is maybe the wrong decision, but they made a decision. On four or five occasions, only across the United States, four or five occasions, I had people just snap to it and get it taken care of. I had one guy that was an ex-Marine. He might have been a, a, a Navy SEAL for all I know. I literally, I, he, was, he walked up to the scenario. The, the, the actor went out and got shot. And then the, the, the primary officer with the dog, he disappeared. He literally disappeared. I don't know where he was. Next thing I know, I see the victim, a suspect just suddenly like magically pulled and he's over here. It happened so quickly that I don't even know how it happened. I didn't have time to push the button for another gunshot. Nothing. I don't know how he did it, but he it literally, I'm not making anything up. Literally this guy just was able to move and take charge and got everything done. And now the guy was behind cover and now, and then said, now we're going to call SWAT. We're going to contain the area. And it was like the best thing ever. I hope that guy ended up being chief of police somewhere doing something because that is a decision maker and he made the right decision. But the most important thing with the scenario is that so many people could not make a decision. So many people, oh, did I, was I on the way? My drawing is really bad, sorry. <laughs> All right, so I did that across the country. And again, I'm, I'm high percentile officers panicked and didn't know what to do. A very high percentage, way higher than I ever thought that it could be. And with me even putting more pressure, uh, and again, this is training. And that's why I preface this, this is training. They know that this is not real. They know that I'm not gonna really kill them. But I had a couple officers just freeze up and say, I don't know what to do. And I'd say, make a decision. Not knowing what to do is not an excuse. Not ever having done this before is not an excuse. Not ever having been involved in a right in a city as a mayor and a governor and not knowing what to do is not an excuse. Do something, man. Do something. Prepare. You know what? Okay, let's see what's happened in the past. Well, in the past, when we see somebody get killed by cops, especially when it's a white guy against a black cop, really bad things happen. All right, let's get prepared. Let's get these guys rolled up now. We may not need them, but let's get them rolled up right? Just like President Trump sent the ships to New York and California. We may not need them. We're going to spend millions of dollars having them, but we did it anyway. And they didn't get used. A little bit got used. But you see, that's a decision maker. That's saying, hey, we're going to spend a lot of money to get this done. They say they need it. So let's make it happen because we may need them. Thank God we didn't need them, right? Thank God we didn't need them. If we would have got the, 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 the uh, you know, all the, the military and the officers prepared and ready to go and didn't need them, wouldn't that have been a much better thing than what we're doing now? But it's the fear and the perception, the fear of deception uh, that you're going to upset the little few, right? The, 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 the few people, they're going to upset. They're going to think that we are, we're pushing the military. No, we need the military because we know what has happened in the past. You can justify it. You can say, sorry. Sorry, uh, you know, Sally, that you're upset that we had a military presence in your city, but we did not want to, for people to die. We didn't want to lose the buildings. We didn't want to lose the police station that had to be quickly evacuated because from officers had to be rescued from the rooftop. We didn't want that scenario to happen because we, we know from past incidents that that's some of the things that can happen. But instead, because we got ready early, none of that happened. As a matter of fact, this may be one of the worst things ever. The Rodney King video was pretty bad, but Rodney King survived. We saw a man murdered on video and you did nothing because you were too afraid to make a decision. You did not arrest the officer because you were too afraid of what it would look like. You were too afraid to make a decision that somebody may question you about later on. 
But when you make a decision based on what you don't want to happen because of history and because of your experience and the experience of others, and you make a decision based on that, you can't really go wrong. You can make mistakes. You can do, you know, you can say, hey, we spent all this money and you really didn't need it. No, we probably spent all that money and had that presence and didn't need it because of the presence. Right. That's the better lesson. Again, sending the two empty medical uh, floating uh, hospitals uh, now looks like, oh, shit, you spent a lot of money. And we only put 178 people in one of the ships when they could house a thousand. We, we spent uh, whatever it was, you know, let's say it's $35 million. We spent $35 million on 178 patients. Ooh, that's a lot of money per patient, right? <laughs> that's a lot of money. But what if we didn't and we needed them? Right then, oh my God, he, he murdered a hundred thousand people. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Does that all make sense to you? I hope that makes sense. And that's why I titled this, the fear of making a decision is, is detrimental. That's the biggest problem we have in all areas, in all the areas. And then you have an idiot, moron, much stronger names for this guy. Those names do not even of that cop based on everything I've seen. I've seen these cops, I've worked with these cops. Um, I've investigated these kinds of cops. And I'm hated by many law enforcement because I call them out that uh, for sure. Now they should have rested three, not, not one. Why do I, why do I not pick on the guy who was standing there and did nothing? He looks really young. Um, there's something, one of them said something like, don't you think he's had enough? I don't know if it's him or not. So I, I'm, I'm wishy-washy on that fourth guy that's standing up. The three that were on the body, they definitely should have been all arrested today. Not just one. All three should have been arrested. You can always release two of them. And like we've done in the past, we've arrested a lot of people. I've arrested people and handcuffed them and put them back in the police car and, and find out, oh, it's the wrong guy. And you go get him out and you go, oh, I'm sorry. You look like the guy. <clears throat> people were pointing at you like you were the guy. I apologize. You take off the handcuffs. You brush off their shirt because it's got dirt and, and leaves on it and, and sticks. And you say, I'm sorry. If you want the number to my supervisor, if you want to go to the front counter, I'll actually give you a ride there if you want. And, and that's what you have to do. We've done it a hundred times. There is no reason not to do that with these three and maybe four cops. You handcuff them in public where people can see you handcuffing them. I'm so sorry, law enforcement. I know that you hate me for saying this. I know what kind of, no, it sends a good signal. It sends a good signal that you're not afraid of making a decision of handcuffing police officers in an incident like this where we're being looked at all across the world to show them that this is not allowed and it cannot happen. But you're too afraid to do that, aren't you? You did not see that officer being handcuffed, did you? Did you see any footage of that hand officer being handcuffed? Did you see anything? No, because they're afraid of upsetting the law enforcement community, right? It goes both ways. We saw no video of that suspect now, not an officer. Wait, I, I'm going to take the officer out of his name. He doesn't deserve police officer. He doesn't deserve it. But you didn't see that suspect being handcuffed and thrown to the ground like he should have been at gunpoint. That's what should have been shown. You know why they didn't do it? Because they're too afraid of the perception of how it would look. They're guilty on both ends of not taking action uh, on, the, on the sense of arresting him and not showing what it looks like for a police officer to be handcuffed because he murdered somebody murder three and then possibly murder two um and it needed to be done and they didn't do it they should have done that that may have stopped anything that's gonna happen i don't it's not gonna stop anything that's happening they're gonna continue tonight it is not enough 
they're too late. They should have did it yesterday when I said they should have done it. My title yesterday said they needed to arrest him yesterday, not today. And they needed to do it with video cameras. And they needed to show him walking with his handcuffs on, nothing covering his face, right? With a hand on the back of his shirt, right? And a hand on the back of his shirt, hand on the handcuffs and walking on the, on the hands that are handcuffed and walking them upright so everybody can see. The same face that was kneeling on George Floyd is the same face that has handcuffs on and being put in one of his old cars that he used to use. The handcuffs that were on George Floyd should have been on the suspect, I almost said officer. The handcuffs that were on George should have been on the officer and we should have seen him walk into the car, then getting out of the car and taking into the, into the jail cell. It all should have been on camera. But no, they didn't do that. They may do it for the other three, who knows? All right. Thank God I have a beer here. Fear. The fear of making decisions. Fear of making decisions have killed us all, gosh, over and over again. How it's perceived. Ah, oh, the president talks too bad. He's, made, he's talking strongly. It hurts my feelings. It triggers me. It, it, it doesn't trigger the majority of the country. It triggers a few people. Triggers a few. And then we keep panning to the few. The few people that are just like, eh, meh. No, oh, God, I'm frustrated. Jesus. And I'm not using his name in vain. I mean, Jesus, please save me and keep me, keep me sane and keep me from cussing. All right. So that's it for my show tonight. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I'm so frustrated. I was so angry today watching that press conference and every word like, what the fudge? Who did you guys elect over there? What the hell's going on? What the hell happened to our country? What the hell? My God. Anybody yes, uh, can you imagine how awful it must have been for them to suddenly be witnessing such an act? Uh, thank you for being on, Bev. You, you kind of having Bev on. Bev uh, was a dispatcher. She dispatched the entire time that I was a police officer. I think you may not have been there right when I, I started in '84. You probably weren't there in '84. You were probably still in high school. <laughs> Maybe in junior high in 84. <clears throat> but uh, she was there a very long time. We had a long career together. Uh, she used to tell me where to go, and I used to go, uh, even if I didn't want to. Uh, but having Bev on here, it makes me feel like there's somebody on there that I can freely and say what I'm saying, and she can tell me if I'm lying. She can tell you if I'm lying. Uh, you know, I had a way of talking on the radio, for the most part, that I never liked to show that whatever was happening to me at the time, whether I was wrestling with somebody, fighting with somebody, that it's you have to stay calm. If you can keep your calm voice, and, and she knows those officers that were not calm. They would sometimes be stressed over very little things. And you, they, you'd have to say 10-9, which is repeat. You say 10-9, they couldn't, I need somebody here. And their, their voice would elevate, right? Normally they have a voice like mine. Next thing it sounds like, you know, is that the right guy? It doesn't sound like him because he's, he's a little bit uh, panicked, right? There's a little bit, there's something going on there. And then he, all he wants is like one officer or something like that. It sounded like he needed the whole police department, right? But I, I, I worked at it and, and really concentrated that when I was in a stressful situation, I was in a lot of pursuits in a lot of cases, for God, I told you my dog bit a bad guys. Uh, I was nearly killed. They tattooed my dog's uh, uh, face on my shoulder because my dog saved my life. A guy hiding behind the uh, door with a gun who was waiting for me to walk in and he was going to shoot me. So I've been in these situations, but it, you have to maintain a sense of calm so you can make good decisions. Again, I'm not saying good decisions are always the right decision. It's just you got to make a decision. And most decisions, if you make them with a calm thought, 
are, are going to be either right or close to being right. And they're not going to be horribly wrong. I mean, I, there were some horribly wrong decisions made uh, as a law enforcement officer. And one of them, and I wrote about it in my book, really cost me a lot of my psyche uh, because I was right at that time. And I was telling the sergeant he was wrong and he wouldn't listen to me. And I'm telling him, no, we cannot do what you want to do. No, I do not agree. And he says, I'm ordering you to do this thing. And then when they say that I'm ordering you to do this thing, I, there's really very little recourse uh, and because I didn't know if I was right or wrong. I just had a strong feeling. At the moment I did what he told me to do, the guy shot himself with the gun that he had been holding to his chin and wasn't pulling the trigger because I was so close and I was right there and I was talking to him and I was saying, listen, I understand. And I, and I made a connection with him and I understood what he was going through, but he sh I didn't want him to pull the trigger. And the sergeant wanted me to move. And I said, I'm not moving. And he says, you're moving. And I said, Sergeant, I, I, we cannot move. And he said, I'm ordering you to move back. And I said, if I move back, he's going to pull the trigger. And I was ordered and I moved back and he pulled the trigger. And um, that, that was a tough time. Boy, was that a tough time. So I'm telling you, it, it was a decision. He made a decision. I'm telling you, not all decisions are good ones. Not all decisions are the right ones. But he made a decision. His decision was based on the fact that we were on the 91 freeway, one of the busiest freeways on the planet. Um, and he was concerned because where this was occurring was in the center lane of the westbound freeway into Los Angeles through Anaheim. And it was something like five o'clock, 435 o'clock and traffic was going to start to build up. And he wanted to clear this incident out of the out of the roadway. And I said, who gives a crap? They can go around. Uh, they can find other ways to work and they could be late and all this other stuff. And he says, no, we're, we're opening this up. We need to end this right now. So back up and we'll, he'll, he'll whatever. And then he shot himself right in front of me as I was watching. Oh, you remember that, Bev? Yeah, that was. Um... Thank you, Bev. And I, and I hope you're not saying that just because I put pressure on you. But uh, I, again, I, I really worked hard and I, I was told often by dispatchers like, you know, we didn't know whether you were serious or not because the way you sounded just didn't sound like you needed that much help. No, I needed a lot of help. I was in trouble. <laughs> um, all right. Being offended uh, is a choice. It is absolutely a choice. Being offended is a choice. Absolutely. I love that, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, this is uh, more of a shot night. Oh, all right. So that's it. I, there's a lot of really good comments on here. You guys are so good. And I, and I hope again, I, I hope I didn't offend anybody, but I, I, you got to come in and you got to, there's law enforcement. Again, this last thing, last thing, law enforcement has a role. You can't be pussyfoot around and you can't be heavy handed, but you have to have command presence. If you don't have command presence and the ability to enforce the laws in a manner that is forceful enough that you're not overtaken and overcome, then you're, you're doing your job. Just because I, I'm wearing a black uniform with blouse boots and driving a black and white patrol car, driving in and get out and telling, ordering people around doesn't make me a bad guy. It's I'm coming in there to maintain or regain order. So then we can have a good discussion about how we can solve the problem. Sometimes in situations, you had to come in with force and say, everybody just back off, get on the ground, prone out, and we're going to sort this out. And you do it in a way that causes people to take action. If you come in and you're going, uh, excuse me. Yeah, we're here from the police department. You know, the one down the street and what we would like. Fuck you. And then they start, <laughs> right? That's what's going to happen. Right? So you, there's, a, there's a fine line. I understand that there's this, there's this alley that we have to walk in as law enforcement. 
can't be too soft. You can't be too hard, right? You can't be brutal and you can't be P words, right? You can't be wussies. All right. You got to be in the middle, make sound decisions, give somebody a hug. Sometimes I've given people hugs. I've carried people out of buildings when they needed to be carried out of buildings. I've, I've, I've I have hugged people. I have said, you know, I understand, but I have to take you to jail. And I'm sorry that I, I've been that guy. And said, I know. And the people are, don't take me to jail. I am so sorry. But this was done. We'll take you to jail. I'll make sure that you are okay and you are safe. And I, I need to put the handcuffs on because that's the policy. And I'm going to get you in the jail cell. I'll, we'll process you. You'll be like a drunk driver, right? Some drunk drivers are just like a mess because it's like the third drunk driving in there. They're going, no, I get right. And they're just a mess. But you know, you have to have some compassion even for the guilty. You have to have compassion for the guilty, right? Even the child molesters, I told you stories about how I had to get out because I, I, it was, I, I was finding it difficult to have compassion for the, the child molesters. It was causing me grief and I was going to hurt somebody, right? And so you got to understand, make some decisions. And, and so just understand. And I hope, again, I know I go too far sometimes. My assistant tells me, I was watching you and you started going too far and I, I couldn't watch anymore. Well, I'm sorry. I, that's just who I am and that's what I do. So um, that's it. I'm going to stop now because I can go, I have... 35 years of stories that I could tell you uh, and you don't want to hear them all. I hope the stories that I use were relevant. The story here is relevant. You can see what happens when people are put under pressure in training and you can just imagine what happens when they're really under pressure, right? The governor is probably a good guy. Mayor may or may not be a good guy. I don't know. You got the uh, Congress people, you got senators, you got uh, council people, you got chiefs of police, lieutenants, captains. You got a lot of people that you have to kind of get through to get some, make a freaking decision. What if you make a decision, right? If they're all not making decisions, we have problems in that. I mean, out of all the people there in Minnesota, not one person can make a good decision at this point, not one of them. And they're going to go back to the, the, the tweet. Well, the president tweeted... <laughs> Who gives a shit what the bears have tweeted? You pansies? Who cares? Calm down. All right, that's it. Thanks, Bev. I know I ended on a Trump note. I probably shouldn't have. Uh, I hope this has been helpful. Uh, it, I don't know if it's been helpful. I just I, I want you to know that this has been mismanaged, and I know that that's maybe not helpful, but um, I, I, I have some thoughts um, of uh, sending out my resume and my CV uh, to Minnesota and saying, if you need somebody to come in here that has experience, because obviously you guys don't. They have no experience in dealing with a, a, a department who has a, a culture, an obvious culture. You got a guy with 13 prior uh, excessive use of force things, and he's still working and allowed to kill somebody. You have a culture that's been created. I, I have an experience of, of dealing with this on a regular basis for the last 20 years, something like that. I, I looked the other day and I think it was some, close to 20 years I've been dealing with this very type of thing and making decisions based on whether people should be um, charged or not um, on a regular basis. And so I, I have some thought uh, of writing a, a, some type of letter. If anybody knows anybody there in the leadership of Minnesota that uh, I could directly get something to um, just to go say, hey, listen, you need somebody that comes in and knows that I've done this. I can tell you haven't done this. I can tell because you're, you're saying things that are not correct. They're just simply not, they're, they're wrong. And to get on television and say something so blatantly wrong because you're trying to cover your ass is, is, is problematic. And so uh, I've had that thought all day. And I think, what could I write that would actually get through? What could I do? How could I get in there? Do I, do I drive to Minnesota and go to the governor's office and knock on the door and say, listen, you need my help because I, I, know, I know some stuff and it might be helpful. Uh, I don't know. 
Uh, if anybody has any ideas, feel free to send me a message. And uh, if you know somebody that knows somebody or that somebody that knows somebody. All right, that's it. Oh, then now for sure. I know I already people ready to sign up. They're getting ready to close your phone. Oh, no, he's still talking. Why is he still talking? I thought he was over. All right, that's it. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Is QuickBooks slowing your business down? Do you have challenges managing inventory, project profitability, or just getting paid fast enough? Get your business to a better place and graduate to NetSuite today. Stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and all the old software you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. Everything you need, all in one place, instantaneously. Whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and money with NetSuite. Join the over 24,000 companies using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com info. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com slash info, netsuite.com slash info.